We are in Sefer Yeshayahu, Perek Nun Zion, Pasuk Aleph, HaTzadik Ovlad, Ve'en Ish Somlev. So we saw in the last Perek, Yeshayahu really vented his fury on Jewish leadership, so-called Jewish leadership, that was really doing nothing, that was corrupt, that was indolent, that was misleading the people. And now, in the beginning of this paragraph, he's continuing, <coughs> excuse me, this very vitriolic attack on these same leaders. Then the parrot will switch to the usual words of Kapara and Nechama, reading what is the maftir that we read on Yom Kippur. But for now, we're going to stay with that tochacha, that harsh rebuke. Begins the Navi. Hatzadik avad ve'en isham, that is a question. Alev ve'anshe chesed nesafim ve'en mevin ki mipnei hara'ah nesaf hatzadik. Very interesting concept. Ask Yeshayahu rhetorically. Hatzadik avad, can a righteous person die prematurely? Nobody says, well, there must be a reason that he died. Why would he die so early? And men of chesed, righteousness, nesafim, nesafim is what we use, they are gathered, rather than they say they died, but tzaddikim are gathered up to their eternal reward. And they don't understand that they are being taken because of the terrible things you are doing. In other words, you are ignoring ominous warning signs of impending disaster. Because we believe that a tzaddik, a righteous person, is lost when it's to avoid his having to face the cataclysmic catastrophes that are about to come. So when a tzaddik dies prematurely, one has to examine the reason, because obviously it's despairing from witnessing destruction and suffering that is to come. A classic example of that is in the Navi Malachim Beis, which I'm sure we all remember, when Yoshiyahu is very, very ill, and they send messengers to Hulda, who was a Neviah, an outstanding female prophetess, and she sends back the message. Kaddish Baruch was saying, I am gathering you to your people. You will be gathered to your grave in peace. Then you will not have to see the terrible catastrophes I am bringing on Am Yisrael. We learn further, there's a medrash, why did Abraham live only 175 years while his son Yitzhak lives 180, that they took five years of his life, ended earlier, so he would not have to see with his own eyes the birth of Asaph. So we spare the tzaddik, right? This is what's happening all around you, and none of you stop to think, why? Why are we losing these tzaddikim prematurely? Continues the Navi, Yavo shalom yanuchu amishkavosam, holech nochachu. 
Don't worry, however, about the death of these tzaddikim in the sense that they are going to um, prematurely die and that's it. They are headed to a world of righteousness. They will have lived a righteous life. They will rest in peace on their, in their graves. They're going towards the Kaddish Baruch They are going to an eternal reward in Gan Eden. Contra distinguished to this is Ba'atem and you, Kirvuhena B'nei Onona. You're not going there. Listen to me. Come closer and listen. B'nei Onona is a terrible imprecation. It's that you, the sons of witchcraft and of sorcerers and of women who practice all kinds of avodah zara with, uh, again, witchcraft and supernatural forces. Zera Minaev, the sons of adulterous fathers, Betisne, and the sons of mothers who are harlots. That's a very strong accusation. And we know this could be both literal and metaphysical, and some suggest that it is both. Uh, remember, by the way, idol worshippers are called zoning, so that therefore there could be a root that we're talking about your idol worship, or we are talking about sexual depravity, as which we will discuss in a second. Amisin angu, and this is how Yishayos addressing them. What are you celebrating? What are you basing your enjoyment? Because this is a rebuke to that leadership group that seems to be selling them a uh, remedy of eat, drink, and be merry, and rather than giving them any serious direction or give us shamayim. Does that remind you of anything, Hilly? Say that. Does that remind <laughs> you of anything? Very good, very good. So that you, Amisinganga, what are you basing your enjoyment? Why are you so pleased with yourself? Um, why are you so pleased with your glib tongues and your glib speech, uh, your laughter? Um, you are the children of crime, the seeds of, of falsehood. What do you have to be so proud of yourself? Moreover, terrible accusation. You are comforting yourself under the trees. Tachas kol eitz ranan is usually for avodah zara, because that's where the avodah zara is. So this could be accusing them of avodah zara, but then it follows. Um, you are slaughtering your children under the rock, which could be an accusation that they are practicing the, probably the most vile avodah zarah that was known to man, and that is molech, passing their children through fire, child sacrifice, uh, which all the Mephoshim agree is the worst, lowest, perverse kind of Avodah Zorah. So we're accusing them of Avodah Zorah, or are you accusing them of something deeper, of a kind of sexual depravity, a kind of licentious, libidinous, meretricious, decadent, um, lecherous lifestyle of sexual excess? 
And what it means is tachas etzrahanan refers to the promiscuous activity. It also could be killing your children, not necessarily to molech, but as some of fortune point out, that it is a form, it could be a form of, of homosexuality. It could be a form of autoeroticism. Thus you are slaughtering children by not in fact um, appropriating or propagating the children. Continues the Navi. Now the old bugaboo, as it were, of bomos, that you were not allowed to sacrifice on altars. The chelke nachal, your lot is with the um, smooth stones of the river. That's where they would build a riverbed, uh, where they would build these outside bomos. Um, it could also be places of an assignation for perverted sexual behavior. It could be both. And to these, you have poured a libation that normally assumes, you know, a mincha, a carbon, uh, that is not appropriate. And you made a gift offering, ha'al-eile anachem, and that's a rhetorical question. Am I supposed to be um, forgiving of this and change my mind and not punish my people? Let's just a minute on these bomos. We know that when the Mishkan and the Beis HaMikdash were in use, there was to be no outside bomos. In other words, when there was no Mishkan and Beis HaMikdash, people could have these altars. And they did. They built them on rooftops. They built them under trees. They built them in fields where they would it served a purpose in that somebody like the tribe of Zebulun all the way north didn't have to go, say, three times a year, was too lazy to go to Yerushalayim, could do all his korbanos there. But when the mikdash was in effect, you could not use these bamos, and yet we see in Malachim every king failed to end those, those bamos. Um, and that it was one of those things that just stayed. There was no reason to, in fact, uh, get rid of it. Now we come to a very strange part of idol worship or worship of another source. On the top of the mountains, beneath you put, we assume your avodah zara. There too you did your offerings to sacrifice. Remember again, the private bumos was a constant sore spot in our, in our history. You see that all through Malachim. Now, the Navi says, and this is very puzzling, Remember that said, you widen your beds. Says the Navi, you a place for your memorial or your worship behind the doors and the doorposts, the mezuzahs. In other words, inside the house, you are following by rote um, your what you're supposed to be doing theoretically religiously, but at the same time, you are maybe living lives of depravity behind those same houses. We're not sure what he means. Kimiti Golisa, you have, um, through your constant uh, Worship, you have 
done to me, you were focused on idol worship. You have widened your beds, which could mean that you have allowed in your bed literally uh, the znus uh, and, and, and sexual depravity, but also it could mean you have allowed in your beds a different form of ideology, a different form of worship, not the traditional avodah zorah or the traditional um, bamos. What you've done is brought into your bed a different philosophy, a different um, concept of religious worship. So you have done a carnal line, and remember there's a constant switching of metaphor of a different worship to adultery. It's a metaphor that is both literal and that. But you brought in something else, Yad Chazisa. What could he possibly be talking about? And then the Mephorshim, specifically Rav Schwab, posits that this is, he's talking in those days to those Jews who have sort of become Judeo-Christians. He is talking about Christianity, which isn't to take place 500 years, but it sure can be sounding like it. Um, we know that the Gemara teaches us that at a certain time, even though there was Sefer Torah written by supposed Jews, you burnt those texts because they were written by those who would be called Judeo-Christians. We know the early apostles were all Jews. We know that the early Christians were all Jews. And we know that they instituted at this time that 19th bracha in Shimon Esrei, to those who, who are telling on us or who are betraying us. So, continues the Navi, and it um, fits in just eerily how it fits in. Vatashiri lamelech brashemen, vatarbi rukuchecha, what you did is you have showed yourself before the kings and you have immersed yourself in perfume and you have you travel to foreign lands. You have gone to far foreign lands bringing messengers. You know that that's what the apostles did, says Rav They went from country to country giving kings a preview of their religion. And you kept doing this. You came, you know, uh, presentable, dressed, perfume. And in doing this, you have lowered yourself to the pit. You have shown yourself uh, to the kings as messengers. And by doing this, by promulgating this new religion, you brought, sealed your own death warrant, as it was. You became weary from your many trips. They traveled the world, and yet, despite the weariness, the road got Noash, you didn't give up. You were so imbued with the cause that you found the vitality you need to take it. You were driven. You were driven with a sense of purpose, and so when you have that, fatigue doesn't enter. You can overcome the fatigue, and that is what you did. The road Yogato. And about whom did you 
worry about? Did you worry what you were doing in fear that you were being unfaithful and you did not remember me? Lo zacharta, lo samtalibet, you didn't put my words in your heart. Halo ani machsher me'elimba osi lo sigroti. Am I not the God uh, and you didn't stop for a second to fear me? You weren't even concerned? I will tell you over and over again what is right. And yet I see they don't help you. They have no effect. When you cry out, let your gods and goddesses that you have now assembled, your new gods, and of course that fits in with this entire concept of Christianity, but they're idols. They will be blown away. They will be carried by the wind. But he who trusts in my word will inherit the land and possession of the holy mountains. Tomorrow we begin, as I say, Nechama, a way back, a life preserver, in the form of the uh, Solu Solu, which is the mafter we read on Yom Kippur, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow.